Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Hey, Julie. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing, Julie, my lady? I'm doing really well, Alex. How are you? I'm very well, very well. Thank you very much for uh, coming on to speak to us on the Business World and Mindset podcast. You know? Oh, you're welcome. You're, you're one of those people who just exhume energy, you know, and every time I see you, it's all these words about energy and positive energy and vibration, which eventually drives that good feeling and results, you know, so it's really I, good. Well, I hope so. <laughs> but if I, if I can exude that and a little bit of it rubs off onto others, then yeah. the world is good. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I thought um, there's obviously quite a lot of golden nuggets to cover with you, especially around this big area of conscious change and mindset and motivation and all of that. So I thought uh, initially we'll probably just take it a step back just to capture a little bit of your story and your journey, you know, to bring you up from like your humble beginnings and, you know, how it all started, you know, growing up and how you got to where uh, you got to really, because a lot of people sometimes really get inspired to understand like the journey of a person, how it all begin. And, you know, for people who can relate to that, sometimes it gives them that hope that, oh, Julie, coming from this background, probably we have hope as well. And then within that, we'll get to unpick some of the big stuff around, you know, what do you do, you know, the conscious leadership, your book and everything else. How does that sound? Is that all right? Yeah, sounds, sounds good to me. Sounds um, good to me. Absolutely. So, yeah, just uh, start off by yeah, yeah, taking take us through your journey and your background and wow. from, from the beginnings. <laughs> right from from the beginnings. So, um, I'm going to short circuit it because I am yeah. 63. <laughs> so, there's a lot has gone before. Um, okay, so I was the youngest child of three. So I had mm. I grew up with two elder brothers, yeah. but my eldest brother was 13 years older than me, so I, and he left home very early. So I don't actually really remember him being there. Hmm. Um, but my next brother down is five years older than me, so I yeah. do remember him being there. I do remember growing up with him hmm. um, and my mum and dad. And my mum and dad were married for 69 years. Wow. Um, you know, they, they stayed together through thick and thin um, you know, they they had yeah, there was there was lots of stuff. They were both in the war, Second mm. World War, so they'd come through rationing, they'd come through all sorts. Yeah. Um dad was an only child, brought up by his single mum. Um his dad died when he was very young, and my mum was the youngest, I think, of twelve siblings. Mm. Um so mum and dad were really different. And I think I think part of that allowed me to I can see dad in me and I can see mum in me mm. um and it, and I think that partly for me is is part of what I do around conscious leadership because unless we really think about who we want to be we become what we know and what we're influenced by yeah so um I was the only clearly the only daughter I grew up I was one of those really fortunate children who's mum used to I used to sit on my mum's lap in the front bay we'd mm. go up the library we'd pick a book we'd come home I'd sit on her lap and I'd read it um so I had a really good upbringing um mm. went to school I was almost a straight A student I was you know in the highest streams at school yeah <laughs> went to grammar school and then at the age of 14, yeah. <laughs> I rebelled. Oh, <laughs> oh. Out, of, out of character, was it? <laughs> I'm, I'm, do you know what? Part of me says yes, it was, and part of me says it's not really because I am a bit of a rebellious individual. <laughs> but at the age of 14, I rebelled, and basically what happened, um, I, was, I was put in to do three O-levels, GCSEs, a year early. Hmm. Didn't, didn't 
I just went in, I put my name on the top of the paper and sat there and did nothing. Yeah. Um, I remember going into my history GCSE, I put my name on the top of the paper and the date and got up and walked out. Mm. Um, I left school legally the first day I could. And at that point, it was when we was, when I was 16. So I went from almost a straight A student to mm. leaving school with nothing. Oh. Absolutely nothing. And I remember this so clearly because there are certain parts in my life that I just remember. Mm. I left school on the Tuesday. I walked to their local town, which at that point, uh, well, yeah, at that point was Woolwich. Woolwich was when Woolwich was a proper shopping centre with department mm. stores in it and all sorts. It's yeah. changed over the years. Mm. Um, I walked into Woolwich on the, well, I went into Woolwich on the Wednesday and I started work on the Thursday. Yeah. And the well. first job I had was um, in a fashion shop. Mm-hmm. And I just went in to, you know, um, serve customers. And it taught me so much because I always remember one of the customers we had, we used to show, show shut the shop on a one afternoon a week when that used to happen and it didn't open on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But we always used to leave the shop open for one particular customer that came in, and it was a guy who had transgendered. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we were the only shop at that point that yeah. would serve him. And it was because of the manageress and how she, A, she wanted the business, but it was also something about her that she she didn't run by the, I'm going to say, run by the mill of what people expected. <laughs> so he used, this guy used to come in or female used to come in that had transgendered from being a guy and we'd, we'd serve him. You know, and as a 16-year-old who had, a, had, if you like, a protected childhood in some respects, that was a big eye-opener. Yeah, wow. Um, and then what happened after that, I was really good at maths. So one of my party pieces at the time was that I could do a calculation faster than mm. somebody could do the calculation on a calculator. Wow. And to get the right answer. So my head was magic with numbers. I mean, it's not so much anymore because I don't do it anymore. Mm. Um, so I quickly went into sort of the accountancy profession. Yeah. Um, mum hated work, me working in a shop, hated me working <laughs> in a shop. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't what she wanted her daughter to do. Mm. So I, I went into the accountancy profession and I did, um, I worked my way through bought ledger, sales ledger, mm-hmm. into a position as a management accountant, not qualified, oh, yeah. didn't need to be qualified back then, um, management yeah. accountancy and then financial accountancy. Yeah. Um, I went from that into audit. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And that is what got me into learning and development. So from a pure accountancy background, I ended up, installing um computerized shows how old i am (laughs) (laughs) i ended up installing computerized scanning systems so epos electronic point of sale into into a retailer yeah um because we used to have the old tools where you click the numbers on the top the numbers yeah (laughs) so we had them and we converted to epos and of course that basically took computers into retail outlets that Mm. didn't know what a computer was back in the day. And many people who operate, so remember my background is finance, I ended up training. So I sort of came out of audit where I was teaching, where basically an auditor's role is to go in and find out what's wrong. What's wrong, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I would go into the retail stores, I'd find out, I'd basically go through all the systems, find out what was wrong. I'd write the report. But what I used to do, and some of my colleagues didn't, was that I would train or teach the people in the store how Mm. to do the thing that was wrong before I left. So by doing that, I didn't then have to write a negative report. (laughs) I could write an improved report. Yeah. Uh, I see. Wow. <laughs> and then I went into and then I went into systems and that really got me into training people how to use systems. And I would teach them finance on a computerized system where they'd all been doing it manually. Mm-hmm. Um and that was really where I 
started learning and development because mm. I worked out I could pick things up really quickly. I, you throw me in at the deep end with something, I'll learn it. Yeah. I'll work out how it works. Many mm. people can't do that. Mm. It's not their preferred learning style. So I would go into stores with women who were, you know, probably my age now but then mm. who no mobile phones, probably didn't even have a phone in their house. It was that sort of time of year, that yeah. decade, if you like. Um, and I'd teach them how to use a computer and how to manage a financial system in a computerized way. Mm. And that got me to dealing with people who had real fears, real phobias, yeah. Yeah. real I can't do these mo this moment type thing. Okay. Um, mm. And then I got the opportunity, and because I was – quite vocal you can probably imagine yeah absolutely um, i i used to say to one of my colleagues somebody in the learning and development department wasn't doing a very good job because we yeah. used to see the management trainee results because <laughs> we would then have to manage them yeah um or i'd see them when i was in doing an audit i'd see them not knowing much and i said to one of my colleagues i could do a far better job than they're doing they, you know, they're not doing a good job, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and somebody left. So my colleague said to me, well, put your, you know, put your body where your mouth is and apply for the job. Mm. And I got given it. And that got me into learning and development, working yeah. with managers and leaders within the retail environment. Mm -hmm. Once I got into that, um, I mean, the world just opened up for me. And I stayed oh. with them in that role for yeah. – more years than I needed to because I was I knew I could earn more money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, but I liked the job. Yeah. I liked what I was doing. I was passionate about what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And what ultimately happened is that the company I was working for merged. Mm -hmm. And as part of the merger, we we had a complete restructure change, a structure change. Yeah. And I looked at who had got the top job and I didn't want to work for them. Ah, <laughs> so we got the opportunity of an enhanced because it was a merger, an enhanced redundancy package. Mm. And as part of that redundancy package, we got given an outplacement service. Mm. So I got to work with um, a consultant who dealt with people who were going through redundancy. And it mm. was really interesting because I went to her knowing exactly what it was I wanted to do, which was to go freelance work for myself. Mm. Um, which I then did for about the next, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years. And then I got a bit lonely. I did a massive contract with PricewaterhouseCoopers as part of that mm. process yeah. um, for the Department of Work and Pensions. Huge. That taught me taught me so much. It was untrue yeah. about <laughs> sorry. That's okay. I'm not awful. <laughs> um, about change management, you know, from from the masters in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I got a bit lonely, so I joined a company who uh, worked exclusively with the nonprofit sector mm. um, and all that that entailed, which really ticked my value boxes. And I worked as a partner, so I was a partner in that firm yeah. um, until 2011. And the firm basically had imploded. Wow. Um, and, I, and because we were living in our ego, Mm -hmm. and operating from our ego. Yeah. And I have to I have to include myself in that because I was part of it. Mm. But I wasn't in my ego as much as some of my colleagues were, my partner, mm -hmm. you know, the, the other partners. Yeah. And what happened in 2011, I was sitting we used to have an office in South Quay, so right next door to Canary Wharf, that's where yeah. we were based. Mm. And we were at the at the peak, we were 14 <laughs> consultants. Yeah. And I ended up sitting in a meeting. There was four of us left, and we were sitting in somebody's kitchen mm. <laughs> in North London. Mm. And I sat there and I thought, what? How have we got to this? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I just couldn't be there anymore. So in, in the middle of that meeting, there's a theme runs through what I do. I just I just make a decision and then I go for it. Yeah. In the middle of that meeting, I basically handed my notice in and said, I, 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 can't, I can't do this anymore. And that was in 2011, August. Mm, wow. um, and I, I came home from that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't have a partner. I wasn't mm. married. At the, I have been married. I have been divorced. I have been in relationships. I'm yeah. 
out of them. I haven't got children, so it is only me. Yeah. And I came home and thought, now what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? Um, yeah. I went, so I went to my mortgage broker and said to him, you need to get me, um, you need to release some equity from my house. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've just given my notice in. <laughs> and he said, how long have I got? And I mm. said, Three weeks. Three weeks. Oh. So we got we got my house remortgaged within three weeks, which, you know, mm. think about that now. That was yeah. really quick, but that's what you could do in 2011. Mm. Um, and then I basically went on a journey of I, I sort of found the entrepreneurial world, mm-hmm. you know, and I found about property. And I yeah. initially in 2012, 13, I first heard about crypto. Yeah. Um, I went on mentoring schemes. I have spent a fortune, <laughs> I mean, seriously, bucket loads of money on learning. Yeah. Um, which has sort of got me to where I am now. Mm. So that's like a, a snapshot, really. Yeah. That's, 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 really, there's a lot more. That's, but, that's amazing. I mean, yeah. it's interesting hearing stories like that and, and the journey, even I guess for yourself when you recall it, it must feel like, when you stop, like, wow, you know, that's yeah. been the journey, you know? Yeah, there, and, there, is, there is so much to it. I mean, yeah. so much change, mm. so much so much learning. Learning, you know, yeah. And I'm learning and development, so I yeah. love learning. Yeah. And forget the fact I left school the first day I could and I'd yeah. given up. I probably <laughs> spent the next, I don't know, probably as much as I was learning what I was doing in my job, I didn't do much personal development. Probably mm. until I got into the learning and development field, which was when I was about twenty-eight. So I've been yes. in it for thirty-five years now, mm. and I'm I'm one of those people that I can't teach something if mm-hmm. I don't do it. Yeah. So if I'm teaching somebody about you know managing conflict or yeah. assertiveness or communication or whatever it might be, leadership. Yeah. I have to do it. <laughs> Yeah, because otherwise I'm not I'm not congruent. I'm not in alignment. So I learned so much, and then I had to look at what that meant for me and what my behaviours were. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, what what what's been your sort of biggest kind of discovery about like human behaviour, like how and why people? tend to behave maybe in certain ways because you must come across situations when maybe you see people either reacting, responding, or behaving in a certain way because of what's happening. But you understand that that is in line with their level of consciousness at the time, even though it may not be like how you see that they should be doing, but it sort of makes sense. What do you think is 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 the biggest sort of, gap or cause of human behavior <laughs> you know i mean again massive question one of yeah. the one of the things that i have studied over 30 years now i mean mm. i think i put this in the story is about stress management yeah and what i notice with people is that unless it's broken i mm. mean physically breaks broken. Physically mm. something happens they don't they don't want to look deeper. I see. What do I mean by that? I have worked with people over many years who, and and I'll I'll tell you a true story. I mean, all my stories are true, but I will share this one. So I got called in to do some work with a, a, um, so I used to work with boards of trustees, directors. Yeah. I worked with everybody from, you know, chief execs, boards of trustees, to people thinking about going into a management leadership position, so if, and anything in between. Mm. And I worked with this organisation who really challenged me to put some really challenging programmes together around mm. leadership, around learning how to learn, because yeah. that's something we don't do as adults. We do it as a child, and then we just assume we know, but we don't. And yeah. mm. um, and I worked with this company over a period of three years, and I worked with their leadership, their senior mm-hmm. management team, leadership team. And there was a, and, and a lot of them were female. And one woman in particular, she was probably at the time, I don't know, I'm going to say late 50s. So she was going to retire in about five or seven years, 65 yeah. would have been mm-hmm. her retirement age. 
I worked with this leadership team for about three years. And this particular, most of them took on board the learning and most of them put it into practice in the best way they could. Yeah. And there was a lot of change going on. Hmm. But this one particular lady didn't. I don't know why. Hmm. And we did this whole three-year program. I was talking to the HR um, director saying, look, you know, there's, there's a few issues. People are not putting this into practice. Hmm. Um, you're you're going to have to manage that because if this is a change management program for the organization, you want different results, means yeah. your people have got to do things differently. Yeah. But it wasn't an organization that was particularly well known for managing very well. Hmm. And I don't believe in leaving round pegs in square holes or square pegs in round holes. You know, we, yeah, that's not part of my ethos. We We should manage and lead people into their best position for them. Yeah. Um, and I got called back into this organization about 18 months after I'd finished this three-year program. And I got called in to work with this um, female director who basically was stressed. Mm. And I went to talk to her and I said, what's happened? And she looked at me and said, I didn't put into practice what you taught us. And I said, and what has been the consequence of that? And she said, I don't know what to do and where to start. And what had happened, she wanted to be liked. Mm. So by wanting to be liked, she did not manage her staff team. Uh, She basically gave them everything they wanted, everything they asked for, which, of course, mm. is not generally what we need. Yeah. Definitely not what the organization needed. So she'd got herself, she was underperforming, she'd got herself into a real tricky position and she was going to be disciplined. Mm. I went back to the, um, and probably dismissed because it had got to that point as a director. I went back to the organisation and said, you know, you haven't particularly done a great job on managing her. You've allowed this to happen, apart from anything else. Yeah. I told her to go sick. I said to Mm. the organisation, let her go sick because she was so stressed. Mm. Let her go sick or put her off on sick, pay her. There was a whole raft of stuff going on in her personal life as well. Yeah. I said, and then see what happens. She never came back but, and they, they made her pension up and they pensioned her off early. So she didn't mm. lose, she wasn't financially in, in, impli- um, negatively impacted. Impacted, yeah. Mm. Lost them, but she was looked after which was their duty of care. But what what that really, 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 really taught me, and I see it over and over and over and over again, until we break, as in we are faced with a situation or a scenario that we cannot physically, mentally, emotionally deal with, we think we're okay. We're okay, yeah. And when we think we are okay, we have a limited level of self-awareness. Yeah. When we have a limited level of self-awareness, we think, we think we're think we okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for us to actively change, we have to recognise that there is something more that we can be yeah. and that we actively look at what that means for us and actively do something different. And to do that, Alex, <laughs> we have to admit to ourselves that we're not perfect. Yeah. That we have flaws and that we have an area of development. Mm-hmm. So we have to admit to ourselves that we're, we need help, we need support. And many of us yeah. won't do that. And yeah. I can put my hand on my heart. I mean, I was that in the past. I'm not anymore because I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like when you when, – when I used to try and sell performance management programs into business mm. or a leadership program into a business, yeah. they had to admit that they couldn't lead or didn't know how to lead or didn't know how to performance manage Yeah. for me to go into them. So they had to admit they didn't know something for something. me to get into the business. Yeah. And, and there's um, 
I don't I don't know what to call it. We all, we've all got an ego. We all live in yeah. it. Yeah. I've just got an article up on LinkedIn about it. You know, we've all got ego. We all live in it. It's fine. We need it. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But we have to be able to step outside of our ego to yeah. say there is more to learn than we currently know. And maybe we don't know everything we can know about the thing that we're doing. Yeah. We sort of have to admit we're wrong. We are wrong. <laughs> and it's hard. It can Absolutely. be really hard. Extremely. I mean, wow. That that that's that's interesting. That's very interesting. Cause it's almost uh, you know, when you think about um the causes of well, some of the things that can cause you change i mean they in some circles they talk about the three c's which is chance choice and crisis so i yeah. think it's that element you mentioned about the the crisis because when you reach that crisis point that's the point when the other two options are no longer available so it's not a choice you can't choose you're just forced into the situation and yes. that's the time like you rightly say people can actually discover some of the potential that they were yeah. not aware of before because they were comfortable. So yeah. maybe that's another word. Maybe we get too comfortable. And uh, <laughs> that's saying again that there's no growth in the comfort zone. But that's where a lot of us live in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it, it is. It's we get comfortable and we get content. Yeah. And then it becomes harder to change. And then we don't have a vision and we don't really know what we want because we haven't really thought about it. Yeah. And then we end up. If we stay still, we end up going backwards because everything else goes forward, everything else changes. I mean, the, the pace of change is, is so much quicker now with technology and everything else that if we don't keep up with that, we go backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I don't understand, I do understand because I do understand it and I know why we do it, prevention yeah. is always better than cure. Yeah. So that preventative learning the preventative change the preventative mm. management and leadership of self and others yeah. so that we don't end up in that crisis place that yeah. crisis position let's absolutely. do something before we get there yeah absolutely absolutely but now i put this to you then if obviously like we know everything is always changing because change yeah. is the only constant does yeah. that mean we actually never arrive at anything Oh, that's a fabulous question. <laughs> well, no, you see, because we arrive at everything in every moment, don't we? Never been asked that question before, so this is going to be a really random answer. Yeah. <laughs> so do we never arrive at anything? Yes, because we arrive at everything all of the time in every moment. Yeah. In every moment, we are arriving at something. At something. But then essentially we don't stay there because yeah. it's changing. So it's just... Yeah. Uh, Perpetual cycle. I guess. Yeah. So, where does I guess like goal setting and achieving something? I guess that's that's a different sort of concept to imagine, is it? Because you can say set your goal to achieve something, you arrive at that, and then what happens? You you sit like okay, I've arrived, or then you set a new goal or a new goal. But if you don't, like how? Does all that fit in in the, in the end? It, well, it fit. I mean, it, it fits in incredibly well. So, mm. um, and this is where we have to really think about what it is we want. Yeah. So we have to have a vision. We have yeah. to. Um, and I, I, I have a tendency to use a vision and mission interchangeably. Yeah. Um, but we have to have a mis mission, and our mission is our big thing yeah. it is the constant thing that pulls us forward it's 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 what we're on this planet for mm -hmm. so my mission and i'm a woman on a mission yeah. so i i define myself i'm a woman on a mission creating and enabling conscious leadership globally yeah, yeah. now that is a mission that will never end yeah. So there's no finite on that because it's global, it's creating and enabling. So it's universal. Is that's my mission. Yeah. Now my vision, part of my vision, so that's my global my global mission. How do I then do that? 
mm-hmm. which then brings me back down into my vision and, if you like, then into the goals. Yeah. How do I do that? So I've been doing that for over 30 years mm-hmm. by training, coaching, mentoring, writing, posting yeah. out articles, doing interviews, that sort of thing. Yeah. And what am I doing now? Because I'm suddenly realizing that, you know, life is finite. We all die at some point and I'm closer mm-hmm. to it than others and, and all the rest of that. And I don't have any issues saying that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get my work. So the books I've written, the podcasts that I have created, all yeah. of those are part of my legacy. So I will leave them behind me. Yeah. And then what I'm doing now, apart from any of the training, coaching, mentoring I may do, I am going to get my knowledge that's in head mm-hmm. into online programs. Yeah. So that people can access them ad infinitum. Yeah. Because the work that I do, being about leadership, um, yeah. scenarios, the world changes, but leadership is leadership. Yeah. You know, management of a business is management of a business. Mm-hmm. Leadership to you know, to become a catalyst of change is leadership for change. Yeah. So the concept of the whole thing actually doesn't change. We know we learn more about human behavior and how the brain works and how it connects into the body and all of that sort of stuff. But in reality, good, great leadership yeah. will survive centuries. Yeah. The scenario, the situation may change. So I'm going to now get, and I'm, I've already started to do it, and get what's in my head into online programs. So I also um, I, I do recordings for a, um, a company. So I get paid royalties and I, yeah. I I do recordings for a company that then license the recordings out to other yeah. companies. And mm. one of the businesses that they license to is the Ministry of Defence. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so my whole goal setting is around how do I get what I know and what I do out mm-hmm. to as many people as I can possibly get out to. Yeah. Um, and then – one of one of the other ways I do that, so part of my goal setting, and I haven't I haven't been as conscious on this as I have been in the past. Mm-hmm. So in I think it was probably 2020 actually, so lockdown. Mm. Um I had a goal to reach a quarter of a million people with my message. Yeah. So I thought, how do I do that in lockdown? Mm-hmm. How do how do I do that? <laughs> you know, because I was out speaking. So I thought, okay, so I was doing Facebook Lives, online lives. But what I also did, and I monitored it, I posted really, really, really regularly on LinkedIn, Mm. really regularly on LinkedIn, like probably daily. Yeah. And I counted up. I had like a a thermometer thing, Mm. um, and I had 250 million at the top and like a bulb at the bottom. Mm Mm-hmm. I counted up on a daily, weekly, monthly basis how many people I had, excuse me, I had got in front of, yeah. and I topped a quarter of a million. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. by, by putting things out on social media yeah. and then monitoring it. So, mm. you know, that was part of my KPI for myself mm. yeah. because I'd set the goal. And then I thought, okay, I've set the goal. How do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, I achieved the goal. I did, then didn't reset it, and then yeah. I got to doing something else. Mm. Wow. And I yeah. guess that's, that brings us to, you know, this amazing idea about, I think even in, um, in Napoleon Hill, but a lot of the personal development circles, how they talk about whatever you can actually think about but sort of revere and really believe in it, you can pretty much come about you can you can bring to to life in a way but then there's this scenario i think you touched upon this um earlier on when we were talking that a lot of um like the direction and our beliefs and things that we end up doing can be shaped by the environment that we are in so can that sometimes limit our consciousness to just be the stuff around us, and how can we get out of that to actually elevate ourselves if if nothing changes in our environment? If nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that's the truth. 
Yeah. The, the only thing we can control is us. Yeah. We can influence others, but we can't control them. Control. Hmm. So what we have to do is work out what it is we want to do. Yeah. Truly what we want to do. <clears throat> create the vision or mission yeah. vision, create the goal, create the strategy, whatever that is, and mm. then work out the actions that we need to take, the yeah. person that we need to become because yeah. we're changing. Because if we've not done something before, we have to change to be yeah. able to do it. Mm. So work out who we have to become to be able to do the thing, whatever the thing is for us. Mm-hmm. And then we have to influence and manage those that are around us and the environment that we're operating in. We're operating. We can't control that. Well, we can control it. We can move. Yeah. You know, we can leave a relationship. We can physically move. We can live somewhere else. We can change our job, whatever it is that we're doing. But we have to change something. Mm-hmm. Now, when it's a re- when it's a personal relationship thing, that can yeah. be really difficult. Difficult, yeah. Because you can you can truly love somebody. You know, you might love your parents, you might love your partner, you might love the people that you're living with, whoever they may be. You may love your children, mm. but if they are holding you back, yeah, something has to give. Something to give. has to change. So, how do we do that? We can influence them we can try to attract them i say try being an operative word you either do or you don't to attempt to try to bring them with us yeah and then if they don't come with us there has to be some consequences somewhere yeah um which may be the consequences may be that you don't go home and talk about the thing that you're doing Mm mm-hmm that's lonely, that's hard, that's really not a good place to be. Or you go home and tell them that you don't want them, you don't want to hear their negativity. You don't want to hear them saying, oh, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? What makes you think? Blah, blah, blah. So there is some really courageous, confident, transparent communication going on. Yeah. You know, and through this whole journey, I mean, my my mum and dad, I think, well, my mum, I'm not ever sure she really truly understood what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, she kept saying to me, when are you going to get a job type yeah. thing? And I said, no, I've left my job. I'm now working for myself. You know, I'm earning income through different routes. She yeah. didn't get it, but she still supported me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. my, my, one of my friends uh, who I'd known for over 20 odd years basically said to me one day there was three of us used to go out this again Mm. this is in in one of my books i've written the story um three of us used to go out and i could see because i was so excited about what i was doing you know working Mm. in property and doing this and learning that and all of that sort of stuff and um you know changing my life yeah we'd go out as the threesome and i'd be enthusing about what i was doing and i would see her glaze over Mm. and then turn away yeah and i would see my other friend try to pick the conversation up and and make it flow it wasn't Mm. flowing so what ended up happening was that i would sit there and say little because i am aware of what's going on i'd say little but then i'd listen to her life and her stories and think well hang on a minute this isn't working so um we had a conversation which i initiated it's one Mm. one thing i do do and I said to her, look, you know, this this isn't working. How do how do we get back to where we were? And her mm-hmm. words to me were, I don't understand what you're doing and I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Which is a complete contradiction to me. Because if you don't understand it, how can you not agree with it? I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so I, so yeah. I said to her, Well, if I explain what I'm doing so you understand it, mm-hmm. and she said, I, I don't want to know, I don't agree with it. Hmm. And that conversation went yeah. on for a period of time, sitting in yeah. my living room. Yeah. And in the end, and, and, and me being me, I said, but that's contradictory. How yeah. does our friendship continue if you don't agree with what I'm doing and you won't, you don't want to understand it, but you don't agree with it? How hmm. do we, what do we then talk about? Yeah. Because I'm not going to be silent about what I'm doing. Hmm. I've never been silent about what I've done before. 
Yeah. And the friendship ended. Wow. Now, picking on that point, actually, yeah. because sometimes, you know, gets said that sometimes people's reactions to certain situations can be down to some like deep down subconscious issues that they have. So it's not even more so in reflection of something you are doing, but something in them. It could be maybe they are feeling or some sort of maybe left behind because maybe you are on a journey, you're going into something which maybe, you know, when you get there, they'll be left behind and something in them, they don't feel like they are worthy or they have the same capabilities to match you and be, and as a result, they can be, is it like a resentment or a jealousy or something? So how can you dig that out in people to address it? Because sometimes is it a situation that they may not even be aware themselves as well? That's quite uh, yeah. a good situation. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and this comes back to me saying, you know, the, one of the biggest things we can ever do is be self-aware, become yes. self-aware, be mm. willing to look at who we are and what we do and why we do it, which yeah. many people won't. Um, so how do we dig it out of somebody? Yeah. We can't unless they want to. Mm. Yeah. Is the truth. That's, yeah. Unless unless people want to uncover themselves, look at who they are, look at why they do what they do and yeah. look at why they believe what they believe, look at what their values are. Mm. We, we physically cannot make anybody do anything they don't want to do. Yeah. We can't because we don't – we can't control them. Yeah. The only thing we can control is us and then, fingers crossed, hopefully influence them. But if they don't positively, mm. but if they don't want to be, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's yeah. like swinging your head up and I've put a backdrop of a brick wall, not intentionally, but yeah. um, it's like banging your head up against a brick wall. Yeah, You cannot make people do something they don't want to do. Yeah. And it isn't our duty or our role to attempt to save someone yeah. from something that they don't need saving from. Saving from. We, we can't, it's not our duty to fix people. I mean, decades of me being a coach and I've tried to fix people. I've yeah. tried to change people. You yeah. can't. You can't unless they want to be fixed or saved or changed or, yeah. We just can't do it. So yeah. there's this whole compassion and empathy for people where they are. Some mm. people have a lot of it and some people have zero of it. <laughs> but but then I guess because everything is, you know, when you think about energy and vibration, yeah. you know, those vibrations eventually lead to how people get to feel like the emotions and everything else uh, aside to that. And eventually that's get, that gets reflected in the results that the person yes. is actually getting. Yeah. yeah. So it then, uh, just like you said with your friend, it would have put you into a situation of thinking because there was a little, that bit of negative energy there. If you carry on with that, it will put you into a certain vibration a certain negative feeling, and that will get reflected in your results. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you're into that zone of making a decision. Maybe this has to to end because it will drive me to a certain level. So that yep. link again between your thoughts, your perspectives, your vibration, your feelings, and then your results. Um, so in a way, just like you put it up to say you can think about your mission and your end result, like what is it that you want to achieve, and work backwards. So once you actually get to the top, it's now the things that you should be thinking about, things that you should be doing, things that you should be studying, things that you know people you should be inspired about, so that you actually get to that path of getting your end result. Is yeah. that the kind of thinking it, it is and I, I really want to pick up on one word and it's yeah. should we don't have to should anything yeah <laughs> if we if we want to do something we'll mm. do it the we'll fact that it. we feel we should do it 
can actually become a negative driver. Yeah. Um, because it's quite a it's quite a punitive word. And if we feel we should do something, quite often it comes because we're comparing ourselves against somebody. Somebody, yeah. You know, yeah. which doesn't help. We can admire people and learn from them, but when that comparison thing happens, mm. it's not it's not a good move. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's having your mission, creating your vision, and then you know writing your goals to work. I work backwards. Some people work forwards. I always work backwards because I always give myself an end date and then work back from the end date. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes re- and sometimes realize that I should have started last week. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, so the, so the goal the goal thing we are all goal driven creatures all yeah. of the time. Mm-hmm. So let's make those goals conscious. Yeah, to get us to where yeah. we want to be. Yeah, and keep them in our focus. So you know, intention at. So if you've got your intention and you pay attention to the intention, you'll get the outcome. Yeah, but if you've got the intention and then you don't pay any attention to it what outcome are you going to get? So it's keeping it conscious. It's keeping it alive. It's keeping it in the forefront. It's keeping it, it's keeping it in focus. And then when you look at your actions, so what do you actually do? Your mm-hmm. actions feed into the intention. So your actions become the yeah. attention on the intention. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so it's, wow, that's profound. All yeah. fits together. Nothing sits in isolation. You know, the yeah. fact that we're having this call now, Alex, mm-hmm. nothing sits in isolation. There's a reason for this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whatever it is, we, we may never know, but there's a yeah. reason why we're here together. Yeah. There's a reason why people will listen to this episode in particular. Yeah. There's a reason why for everything. We don't yeah. always know what that is, mm-hmm. but there's a reason behind everything that we do. Yeah. Now, let me bring it to maybe a, a kind of like big idea or big question. That Does it necessarily mean that there's actually no right or wrong, just what is right or wrong to you? Ooh, that is a big question, isn't it? Because right. it can be different for everyone, and perspectives can be different on the same scenario. But can you really say one is actually right and another is wrong? Um, no, is the honest start. Well, I'm going to say yes and no, and I'll yeah. tell you why I'm going to say yes and no, because there are very clearly some things that are right and very clearly some things are wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you look at, you know, um, thou shalt not kill, you know, murder is wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah. especially mm-hmm. when somebody murders another person. Yeah, yeah. But do I believe in um, the fact that we can choose our own death? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Yeah. But you'd have to go to Switzerland for that. For that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. murder is wrong, definitely. And then when you, when you just bring it back from those sorts of things, like, yeah. you know, theft is wrong. But, but but for some people that's not wrong because it depends yeah. where they've been born and bred and you know stealing a loaf of bread that people used to get um, sent to Australia for and put in prison for when they were just trying to feed their family yeah. you know, for the welfare is that wrong? What's <laughs> wrong? Allowing someone to starve or stealing a loaf of bread? <laughs> so there's there's some of it. Oh, I don't know. You could sort of wiggle around. Yeah. But in reality. Unless it's a legal thing mm. um, or maybe an ethical thing, mm. yeah. what is wrong and what is right? right? Is there only one way to do anything? No, there isn't. There are so many different that ways works. we can do things. We get into our head that our way, our thought, our mm. belief, our system is right. Yeah. But it's all a sense of perception. I say, absolutely. That, that's what's, what's right for me may not be right for you, yeah. may not be right for the next 20 people that listen to this episode, but it might be right for the 21st person that listens to this episode because there is a similarity of ethics and values and that's systems right, yeah. and processes. 
Um, so there, there are rights and there are wrongs, clearly. I think may, maybe is it a question of right or wrong in relation to how it's impacting the next person negatively? Yeah, negatively in a way. So like you mentioned about killing somebody, you know, if if you're just going about your own thing, you're not destroying somebody's property or killing something, whatever you're doing is probably not impacting somebody negatively or positively. But to the point that you are going to kill someone or hit someone or doing something, it's not something they have asked or called upon. So you are negatively. So in a way that could be wrong but uh if um hmm, what if, what can i think about that something that you do but maybe it's just annoying someone or whatever but it's not necessarily i think uh, um alfred adler talks about this separation of tasks and you touched upon things that you are in an environment there could be things or people are doing or happening which are outside of your control what you can control is either take yourself out of the situation or step aside or do something and so on and so forth. But uh, they may want you to stay and participate by you leaving. Maybe it gives them a negative result, but that is outside of their control. But it doesn't make it right or wrong because, yeah, I guess it's... <laughs> Oh, those thoughts coming in the mind. You've, you've, gone, you've gone down one of my rabbit holes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting because we can, we all do what we do. Yeah. And when we are, I'm going to say conscious, mm -hmm. we do things with the best intent, intent and we do. Yeah. Now, just because it's our best intent mm -hmm. doesn't always mean that it serves Hang on, I'm, I need to. I need to say this as well as I can because I know yeah. I know the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. When we're conscious, we do we do things with the best intent. Mm -hmm. When when that lands on somebody else or in the realm, you know, the environment of somebody else, they may not always see our best intent meeting their best intent. Best intent, yeah. So let me let me give you an example by what I mean by that. So mm -hmm. if you are um, managing or leading you're running a business you're running a firm you're in a joint venture partnership what we whatever but you're working with somebody else mm -hmm. we sometimes have to tell those people things that they don't want to hear yeah yeah you know they may not have um and i've had one of these conversations this morning mm. and i know the person i was talking to did not want to hear what i was saying yeah and they had to hear it because their behaviours were negatively affecting a property and tenants and payment of bills and, yeah. um, you know, a supplier, basically. Mm -hmm. mm. Now, they didn't want to hear it because they, they're in their world. Yeah. I, in my world, who is conscious, transparent, ethical, has the conversations that are required that I believe are required with yeah. a positive intent of making something better mm -hmm. negatively affected that other person this morning because they didn't want to know. Yeah. But it's, it's not just about me and them. It's the bigger picture. Mm. So we can't always give other people what they want yeah <laughs> um we have to be able to have and do the things i believe with yeah. the bigger intent with the bigger purpose intent. in mind yeah it's not about it's not about me and you it's not about me and that other person it's about the the bigger the, thing the bigger picture yeah yeah but, but but again that that again raises the prospect that is there different ways of achieving the same result so is there i guess that's probably where things like manipulation comes in or, or techniques of some sort because like with that person they 
could have been maybe a different way of the messaging to the extent that he wasn't hurt or saw it negatively, but still ends up doing what you are actually driving or trying to tell them to do. It's like in this um, yeah. Will Smith thing when he went and hit oh, Chris yeah, Rock. Chris Rock. <laughs> you know, he was probably trying to achieve a certain result of getting to stop. But could there have been another way, maybe a verbal way or some other way to pass on the same message, to get the same result, but in a different way? I guess maybe that's a, a bigger question in terms of uh, how we can raise our creative genius and super consciousness to say, how can I do this in a better, more sophisticated way to get the result yeah. that I need, but without the person seeing it either negatively or whatever, like manipulation. Yeah. There's, there's always different ways of doing things. <laughs> I I hate manipulation. Yeah. I just, it's not needed. It's mm. not required. Um, it, 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 it always happens in like, I don't know, it, maybe it's a fine line, like in sales, you know, certain kind of messaging and languaging, which I guess relates more to the people, get them to a certain outcome. Is it a borderline in manipulation when you maybe you've actually delivered some value for the people, but you've gotten it through whether it's NLP or some other form of languaging? That's always a. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I had such a negative um, belief system around NLP. Yeah. I mm. actually went out and got trained in NLP. NLP, wow. Because, mm -hmm. because I, I was so negative about it because I'd right. only ever seen it used in stage shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And manipulatively for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right. I actually went out and got myself trained in NLP mm. to find out what it is about and how to use it, basically. Use it. And NLP yeah. is a series of techniques. Mm. When NLP is used well, it does good. It does good. Unfortunately, there mm. are language patterns within NLP that when you're not aware of, can lead people to buy <laughs> um, and do things, and they're 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 not because of the language patterns that have been yeah. used. They're not really aware of why they're doing the thing that yeah, they're doing. Yeah. They think they're doing it because they want to, but actually they've been slightly manipulated Manipulate. through the language patterns, which yeah. I don't agree with. Yeah in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. And it's language patterns linked to behaviours, mm. linked to um, the Cialdini's seven factors of influence. Yeah. So when, when things are combined together, nothing sits in isolation, everything yeah. combines. Mm. When people know how to do that, mm -hmm. they can make huge sales, yeah. um, which may help some of the people, and may not help some of the people. Some of the people, yeah. It's 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 something to be conscious of. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you you could have the best intentions, but still do damage unintentionally to people. Um, yeah, I don't think people that use NLP manipulatively have the best intentions. Best intentions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're doing it for the best intentions for everybody. Yes, they're yes, doing it so for the best self, intentions self for themselves. Yeah. Self-interest. Yeah. yeah. Good, good. Now, um, talk us through your conscious leadership. Okay. Um, I'm actually putting together, I've, I'm actually now going to call it the Conscious Leadership Code. I'm yeah. putting a program together, which mm -hmm. basically is around um, – Engaging the heart, the head, and the hands. Yeah. Which is around inspiring, influencing for impact. Yeah. Linked to creating true wealth. There's so much in this. Mm -hmm. Linked to creating true wealth. Yeah. And true wealth is about um, our own personal economy, but then mm -hmm. spiraling out into the economy of the, the world and the greater good. Mm -hmm. Our own 
spirit and and by that I mean spiritual growth, which is all around our personal development, um, our leadership development, our uh, relationships that we're in, our connection, our community, mm-hmm. um, and our and our health. Yeah. Um, so you know our nutrition, um, our exercise, our fitness, looking after ourselves, because I truly believe with health we do not need to take tablets. Yeah. I wow. just, I just, I haven't done for decades. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe we need it. I believe yeah. if we truly look after ourselves consciously, yeah, um, we we are our own. For want of a better word, we are yeah. our own placebo. And there's a great yeah. book by Joe Dispenza on that. If anybody wants to read it, yeah, it's a long one, um, and it's what I believe in and have believed in for decades. Yeah, and it's around. And then each is a, it's all on a triangle, so it's all in the power of three. Mm-hmm. But it is actively creating the person that we need to be to do the thing, whatever the thing is that yeah. we want to do. Yeah. And to get from who we are to who we need to be for our future, Yeah, it involves change. Change. So we can create the principles, the values, the vision of who we need to be um, consciously and deliberately. And then we engage. So that's, if you like, comes from the heart and it's the inspirational bit. Yeah. And then we go into the head and we think about how do I do that? So mm-hmm. what's the what's the courage I need? Who do I need to communicate with? How do I communicate with myself? What do I need to learn? What do I need to be curious about? What am I thinking about? How mm-hmm. do I engage my intellect, my vision, my my wisdom to to do the thing that I want to be become? Mm-hmm. And then we go down to the hands, so the impact. How do how do I do the things that I want to do? Yeah. What do I physically have to do yeah. to get from where I am now to where I want to be? Yeah. So it engages the heart, engages the head, the head, yeah, and the hands. So wow. inspiration, influence, impact, impact. Wow. There's clearly, a, there's clearly a lot to it. But yes, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely. the basic concept. Yeah, brilliant. That, that's absolutely amazing. So uh, for people who would have been listening to this episode and have been inspired by all the stuff you talked about on your journey, how can they find you and what is it that you offer or can do for people interested to know more? Okay, so on my... Inst- so I'm on all the social media platforms. It's Julie Hockbin. Mm-hmm. Um, on my Instagram, there's a link tree link, which links to a complimentary call. If anybody wants to contact me that way, just book it straight into my diary. Yeah. Um, that also gives you a link to my Amazon page for my books. If anybody wants to buy them, one's on um, goal setting, the practical how-to guide, and then the other one is on stress, the reality because mm-hmm. stress is preventable, people, yeah. please believe me. Um, your body will tell you first, listen to it, and then do something about it. Yeah. Um, so I think probably the best place for people to find me is on that link tree on Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram. Or, or they can direct message me. I'm on Clubhouse every morning. Yeah. Um, if they want to come into the room, I'm on uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, not currently on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do the Conscious Leadership podcast. If anybody yeah. wants, there's loads of back episodes yeah. if you right, want to yeah. listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. Now, Julie, I know you and I, we can probably talk for hours and hours. Because <laughs> yep. Like you say, the mission and the things that you're doing is endless. It goes on and on. And uh, even as we've been talking the thoughts and the change and things is always happening we never rest everything is vibrating all the time yeah but in whatever energy we exude into the world 
everything will get reflected in the results that we are getting. That's what I believe. So yeah. for people who are not getting the results that they are not getting, it's not by some weird magic or whatever. It's as a result of either their thoughts and the things that they are doing and the vibration they are in. And if they want to make a change impact or take a different direction, you know, the power of people like you to help and direct people is there. So I'm sure, you know, people will be happy to probably reach out to you or find out a bit more. But from me, it's been amazing. A lot of golden nuggets. Thank you very much, Julie, for coming on. And I'm sure this is probably not the end. I'm sure we'll come back and grace us with your presence and golden nuggets again. Oh, well, I'd love to. I look forward to that. So thank you very much, Julie. Is there any last words of wisdom that you would like to leave us for people? Um, everything we do is a choice and every choice we make compounds. Yeah, brilliant. That's amazing. Amazing. Thank you very much, Julie. Enjoy the oh, rest of you, the day. Alex, thank we'll, you. We'll thank you for having me on. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.